The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Oops, oops, oops. <laughs> you are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my left is Rick the Rickening Corp. Tiziana, mom so hard, subverse. Got new pumping parts today. <laughs> <laughs> From the Wick office. <laughs> neat. Neat. Straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks. Represent. Behind the glass, Rocket Man, Andy Bishop. <laughs> Sarita, the Edge, Edgerton. Hello. You don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't, you don't spit into the wind. wind. You don't, don't pull, pull off the mask, mask of the old Lone Ranger, Ranger. And, and you don't mess around, around with Terry the Annihilator Lewis. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it's a long. Come on, bro. That was good. All right. That was a good one. Anyway. All right. So after you guys have listened to 4.5, you heard all of our hearts and all the things that we talked about. I think you guys should have a clear understanding. If you don't, I apologize. Please listen to the to those things at least 10 times each, and then maybe you'll understand it. As we begin part five of this study, I want to explain something of a hermeneutical process here. Comparison study, shadows, types, antitypes. We're going to give you an example. Let's do a brief comparative study of Moses and Jesus. Cherry and Sarita, do you mind giving us some of their comparisons? Sure. Both were leaders of enslaved people of Israel. You just have to know who they were slaves to. Moses was born in Egypt as a Hebrew, and to escape a mass homicide of toddlers and infants ordered by the Egyptian pharaoh, was sent down a river and was raised by Egyptians. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and to escape a mass homicide of toddlers and infants by the hand of the king of Israel was taken to Egypt because his father, Joseph, was warned in a dream. Then he later returned to Nazareth. Moses left Egypt and went into the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days. Moses fasted from both food and water for 40 days and 40 nights while writing the Ten Commandments. Exodus 34, verses 27 through 28 then the Lord said to Moses, Write down these words, for in accordance with these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord for forty days and forty nights. He did not eat bread or drink water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Jesus fasted from food for forty days while being tempted by Satan, Matthew 4, 1-3. through Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. It is important to remember that Satan quoted Scripture to Jesus while tempting him. Jesus quoted Deuteronomy, the fifth book of Moses, to defeat Satan. Moses brought Israel out of Egypt and led them into the wilderness for 40 years until that generation died. Moses, who was not allowed to go to the Promised Land, died and was buried by God. Jesus is bringing the lost sheep of the house of Israel out of the wicked generation whose father is the devil. He says that all the blood of the righteous would be held to their account. Then says he would leave their house, 
desolate while leading the lost sheep of the house to eternal life through him. Jesus states in Matthew 24 that this generation would not pass away until all these things take place. Also, that that uh, pseudepigraphal, pseudepigraphal work, uh, the uh, the book of Adam, right? The life uh, of Adam and Eve. The life of Adam and Eve. Adam uh, does what? Penance in a river for 40 days? He, I don't know. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yes. He he tries to do it for 40 days, but the woman messes up. Oh, that's right. Yes. And interrupts his 40-day. Yep. Damn it, women. Yeah. <laughs> They're the worst. <laughs> hey, have this apple. Right. So like I said, so comparative study is an important tool used by writers of the New Testament. We just did this, but we also show comparative study. The writer of the Hebrews uses this form of communication to his readers a lot. So let's jump in where we left off in our last part. The writer is explaining that the new world would not be a place controlled by angels. We understand that Satan was an angel who was called the God of this world and that a man was destined to come and take that power away from him. The new world would be in subjection to a man who was made a little lower than the angels, but but would be crowned with glory and given a name above every name. However, according to the writer at the time of this letter states in Hebrews 2.8, you have put everything in subjection under his feet, for in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. I made the claim that all things are in fact in subjection to him now. And it was me that made that claim, that we are not living in the time when this letter was written. It's going to take some time for me to unpack that, but I'll promise that we'll get there. For now, though, let's see what the writer is explaining to that generation of Jewish believers in AD 65. Ralph, the writer of this letter just said, but now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. Can you tell us what they could see at the time? Well, in Hebrews 2, 9 through 10, but we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus. Because of his suffering, death crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the originator of their salvation through sufferings. Right, so they could see. At that time they couldn't see everything under subjection, but they could see Jesus, the originator of their salvation, as the King James Version states, the captain of their salvation, tasting death for every man with the intent of bringing many sons unto glory. And this was done by the grace of God. God did this to him. And according to the writer of this letter, God did it to perfect him through suffering. So God did that to Jesus. Now we're going to learn the how and why of this. Up until this generation of people, this simply was not the case for mankind. They had the commandments given by God through Moses and the sacrificial system of atonement only. What Jesus did was so unique and so powerful that it would change the course of human history. And I have to tell even the non-theist, you have to accept that. Whether you believe it or not, you have to agree. Whether you agree there is a God or not, this event and the belief of what it meant for mankind caused an upheaval, not only of the Jewish view of the world, but the way the world would look at itself. Andy, will you read the next verse of Hebrews, please? For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father. We have to catch the meaning of this first part of that verse to understand the second part and the writer's reason for saying so. So let's make sure we understand the word sanctifies. Tiziana, do you mind to define that word? Yes. Sanctification is a noun, the action of making or declaring something holy, the action or process of being freed from sin or purified, 
the action of causing something to be or seem morally right or acceptable. Vocab corner is my favorite new part of this. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. I'm yeah. not mad at it. I, 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 love to, uh, I love to learn the actual meaning of words that I use all the time. Like I had written denigrate in this and realized that it was completely that the was wrong the use of the wrong word. Use. It sounded like a negative, and it is, but not in the way I was trying to use it. <laughs> and I was really just trying to say reduce. Denigrate does not mean to reduce. All right, so for the first time in the history of mankind— Oh, I'm sorry. Let's phrase what the writer is saying, okay? Let's rephrase that verse, which he said earlier. Uh, For both he who sanctifies and those sanctified are all from one Father. For both he who makes, causes, and declares holy, free from sin and impurity, and those who are made, now that's the difference, makes, causes, made, caused, and declared holy, freed from sin and purified, are all from one Father, it's pretty interesting. So for the first time in the history of mankind, a man who was made perfect by God through sufferings was declared holy to God, and by doing so, made those who were followers of him the same. This is the operation of the grace of the creator to his created things he loves. This is God, again, operating within the good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil construct. This is a father giving his perfect son to die to get back other sons and daughters who look exactly like his son. This is the first and the last time this would happen. I guess you could say that he covered it from A to Z, that he was the originator or the author and finisher, as the KJV says, or beginning and end of this event. You may have heard Jesus called these other things. That's because all of the writers of the New Testament recognized him for who he was and what he accomplished by the grace of God, the Father the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the author and finisher of our faith. The list goes on and on. I'm sorry, did you say the KGB and did you mean the KJB? Yeah, uh, the Russian Secret Service. They say that? Wait, <laughs> they have their own version? I have no. the Bible? Yeah. That's funny. I the KGB, like I KGB Bible. <laughs> have you ever heard that old joke? <laughs> what? Knock, knock. Who's that? Who's- I can't do it. You have to slap them in the face and say, no one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no one refuses the KJB. Okay. KGB, right. not KGV. Okay, okay, Jeez. okay. I was like, what? Yes, the KGB Bible <laughs> written by Putin. Now, we can hear how the writer of Hebrews explains how their Bible, the Old Testament, explained that this would come to the special people. Again, remember, they're in the Old Testament system, so we can hear how the writer of Hebrews explains his own Bible in his own time. Rickening, can you Ooh, read yeah. the whole of verse thir- 11 through 13, please? Hebrews 2, 11 through 13. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father. For this reason, he is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I am the children whom God has given me. So to explain that the sanctifying of the Jewish Christians, the writer goes to a fascinating psalm. If you read it, you'll begin to see the imagery of a suffering man. This is Psalm 22, a messianic psalm. And Srita, I apologize ahead of time. I'm asking you to read the whole thing because I think we need to hear it. And if you would, everybody just try to hear what she's saying. Instead of reading along, just listen to it, please. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my help are the words of my groaning. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. Yet you are holy. You who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel, 
in you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you rescued them. To you they cried out, and they fled to safety. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a person, a disgrace of mankind and despised by the people. All who see me deride me. They sneer. They shake their heads, saying, Turn him over to the Lord. Let him save him. Let him rescue him, because he delights in him. Yet you are he who brought me forth from the womb. You made me trust where, when upon my mother's breasts. I was cast upon you from birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, for there is no one to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open their mouths wide at me as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a piece of pottery, and my tongue clings to my jaws. And you lay me in the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look. They stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and they cast lots for my clothing. But you, Lord, do not be far away. You who are my help, hurry to my assistance. Save my soul from the sword, my only life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth. From the horns of the wild oxen, you answer me. I will proclaim your name to my brothers in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised nor scorned the suffering of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him for help, he heard, From you comes my praise in the great assembly. I shall pay my vows before those who fear him. The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. May your heart live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust will kneel before him, even he who cannot keep his soul alive. A posterity will serve him. It will be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They will come and will declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has performed it. Psalm 22, 1 through 31. Thank you. That psalm was written 750 years before the birth of Christ. And it describes almost perfectly in detail the scene of the crucifixion. Uh -huh. You could hear it. <clears throat> mm -hmm. You know, they have pierced my hands and my feet. They divide my clothes by lot. And, All of yeah. it. He's surrounded. Hey, you know, if you're the Christ, then come off there. Mm -hmm. All of those words, all of that happens at the crucifixion scene. Mm -hmm. It's right? like proof of the inspiration of God. It is. And so one of the things inside it, of course, something when you read it, of course, I had my eyes closed and was listening, and you said something, and I'll, and I'll get into it. All those who go down to the dust will kneel before him, even who cannot keep his soul alive. Even he who cannot keep his soul alive. That's right. Even he. Even Andy. Even Andy. 
a posterity, right? So here we go. A posterity will serve him. It will be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born. You must be reborn. To a people who will be born. You must be born of the Spirit. That he has performed it. Believers of this Bible should know who that is. It's the apostles. It's the writers of the New Testament. Who are the people who will be born? Jesus told Nicodemus all about this kind of birth. The writer of the Hebrews shows his readers that they are a part of a special family. They are brothers and sisters of that suffering man who was declared righteous, who was declared righteous to God, and they will declare his righteousness to a people who will be born. He goes on to show them their special relationship as brothers and sisters by quoting the prophet Isaiah in a particular place concerning a special remnant who will be kept while God is with us. Ralph, can you read Isaiah 8, verses 9 through 22, please? Be broken, you peoples, and be shattered. And listen, all remote places of the earth. Get ready, yet be shattered. Get ready, yet be shattered. Devise a plan, but it will fail. State a proposal, but it will not stand, for God is with us. For the Lord spoke to me with the mighty power and instructed me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, You are not to say, It is a conspiracy. Regarding everything that this people call a conspiracy, and you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it, it is the Lord of armies whom you are to regard as holy, and both houses of Israel. He will be a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense and a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over them. Then they will fall and be broken. They will be snared and caught. Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples, and I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will wait eagerly for him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of armies who dwells on Mount Zion. When people say to you, consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, should a people not consult their God? Should they consult the dead in behalf of the living, to the law and to the testimony? If they do not speak in accordance with this word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land dejected and hungry, and it will turn out that when they are hungry, they will become enraged and curse their king and their God as they face upward. Then they will look to the earth and behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be driven away into darkness. Remember in our part one study how Moses warned the people that they shouldn't do uh, what they shouldn't do when they entered the land? They weren't supposed to consult spiritists and mediums to speak to the dead. This part of Isaiah that the writer of Hebrews is quoting from is in essence explaining the very heart of their problem and the danger that they're in. Let's say it this way. It's like he's saying, Hebrews, you're a special people. You who believe in Jesus aren't to be fooled by the worshiping of angels. You've been set free from the bondage of sin. You have been declared righteous to God through the righteousness of Christ. You've been given grace. Don't consult spiritists and mediums who are calling on angels. You're turning toward the darkness. Stop. Don't you know you're a people that should consult your God? You're part of the children that God has given to Jesus. You're a holy remnant, just as the Psalms and the prophets predicted. 
He goes on from there to make his how and why point in this next sentence, beginning with therefore. Cherry, can you tell us what the therefore is therefore? In Hebrews 2, 14 through 18, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For clearly he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brothers, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Amen. The how is Jesus took on human form to share in the same earthly condition that we did. God made us his family. Do you see? Let me turn my page. Don't you hate when you can't get the page to turn? Mm-hmm. Like you can't get the papers to separate? I'm going to tell you a secret. Yeah. I take the staple out. <laughs> That's smart. <laughs> uh, it's just much easier. Ricketing, since Billy's not here, can you read? Uh, can you tell us why he did that? Sure. The why is so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Think about that for a minute. He did it to destroy the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who through the fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. That's what it was like prior to Christ. He became like one of us so he could become a merciful and faithful high priest to show us the things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, the people trapped in the knowledge of good and evil construct. We defined the word propitiate before, but since we're in this part five, I want to do it again. Andy, do you mind to give us the definition of propitiate? Propitiate, verb, win or regain the favor of a god spirit or person, by doing something that pleases them. Right. And like I said before, I've heard people say that Jesus was our substitute, but the Bible says that Jesus made propitiation. What he did was something only he could do. They, the readers, didn't have a chance, folks. Neither do you. He was the only one capable of doing that. By Jesus doing so, they became not only brothers and sisters, but they became holy brothers and sisters. All of this wasn't done so that angels could be helped. Come on, Hebrews. It was clearly for the descendants of Abraham. Remember the promise that through him, all nations would be blessed. For today, I'm not going to get into who are the true descendants of Abraham. Jesus and John the Baptist made something very clear in their ministries by saying things like, do not say we have Abraham as our father. God can make rocks into his children. Or how Jesus told the Pharisees who had made the claim, Abraham is our father, and Jesus proclaimed, you are of your father the devil. We'll get into that later. Let's read a bit more and close this part out. Tiziana, do you mind reading Hebrews 3, verses 1 through 6? Yes. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, partakers of a heavenly calling— Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus, 
he was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold firmly to our confidence and the boast of our hope. Thank you. So Moses was a testimony? Remember how I talked about comparative study? We'll be getting into that. But I thought this, I titled this study Wilderness Walking 101. And if you looked at whenever you clicked on this podcast, I, I said at the end of part five, Wilderness Walking 101, but I never mentioned anything about the wilderness, not one time in this study. And I'll give you a clue. Sometimes you're lost and you don't even know it. Welcome to the 11th grade, juniors. We'll talk to you next time on the Burrows of Berea. Represent. Hey guys, this is Rick from the Burrows of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea. You'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys. Like he would have never done something so he would have never married someone. He was about his father's business. He knew exactly who it was from the minute he was born. He would never. And he was like, and then in my house, this man looked at me and said, for you to even say something like that, I question whether or not you've even met Jesus. And I, and I just, and that was the, I was, I said, you will never again in my house question my relationship with Jesus Christ. And he opened his mouth and said, shut your mouth. Whatever else is about to come out of it, you will never again question my relationship with Jesus Christ in my house. Do you understand me? And he was just like, and my mom, my mom was watching the whole thing go down, you know? Because I was just like, I'm not even allowed to post a query, you know what I mean? Without the heretic, you know, being slung. I'm writing an episode on you heresy. You said query. Oh. oh, sorry. I'm just kidding. Did I? <laughs> Save that uh, for Saturday. But I mean, he's a good he's a good person. He's a good person. But it's like when someone's fundamental belief, when their personal understanding of their Jesus, of their religion, of their interpretation of the Bible is so rooted in their own safety that any question of their experience with the Bible is a it fundamentally undermines their sense of safety mm-hmm. and people have a strong reaction. Right. And it was so, and so I, it's like, that's why I don't get involved in the, in the, in the eschatology. I'm interested in it, but I just keep one foot back here you- because it, when people spend so much time worrying about the not yet that they forget how to be decent people mm-hmm. here Today, and now, yeah. then I'm like, well, you're, that's dumb. I don't have any time for that. That's why like in my heart, when I when I began I to I understand this, when I, when I when I started to change in this room, yeah, when I was studying and began to change, what you guys don't know about me mm. is that the love in my heart, I was like the Grinch, man. It was three times bigger that day. Mm-hmm. I could lift up. I, I my love grew exponentially yeah. because I understood where I was. And I saw people as they were, and it. I probably could have done this in dispensationalism too, had I been discipled correctly. Mm. That's I think how that's I felt the problem. Teaching right. the post-abortion Bible study, mm. Mm. the heart- to see people let their heart break for what they had done and want the healing from it from God. Man, my heart just grew 
so big. It just, the love just expanded. And whatever you believe on abortion, these people wanted the healing. Yeah. And they wanted to be reconciled to God. And they had been told that they had done something so grievous that they could not. Yes. And I was like, not here, ma'am. Yeah. No, no, Miss Ma'am, not uh, right. Not in this place. I just want, I just want, lo- I just want you to feel love. Period. All right, let's All right, hammer let's down, down, Andy. Oh yeah. Have you guys had time to read this? Four point yes. five. Did you? I'm sorry it took so long, but um, it came from that conversation with Andy and Tiziana. So I, I decided to do this and write it in this fashion. So, <sighs> and Tizi needs to be here. Yeah, I got a funny story. I got to tell you guys. I'll wait until we record, though. I got to untie this cat from this cord real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought to, to myself. such a jerk. I never had to go to summer school. <laughs> oh, I did. I did my senior year. I did my, my sophomore year. I just I quit. I would have been a junior. <laughs> 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 That's true. You did. I did. She quit school. I did. Mm. Oh, we are. We but are I never rolling. went to summer school. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because what I'm going to, I can send out what notes of what right? I have so far. And I just want everybody to know that like the first episode is going to be just kind of like laying some groundworks and some foundational discussions about what what I believe about the Bible. Because I noticed that conversations around this particular issue often fall into that heretic category. And if someone says, you know, there's often this like, well, do you even believe the Bible? Do you believe the Bible is real or not? Do you believe it's the word of God or not? And it's like, I don't, that's not what I'm here to discuss. So I want to just like get clear the air with that and just also say, I'm not here to convince anyone of of my belief system or okay. why I've, how I've come to terms with what I've come to terms with. So like the, it, bring whatever you think or don't think, whatever your questions you have, like this is not a combat sport to me. Yeah. And so I'm not here to like debate. I'm just going to bring to the table what I have learned and studied both in the biblical and extra biblically to help explain why I came to the conclusions I came to. I'm not afraid of questions. I'm not afraid of pushback. And I'm not here to convince anybody of anything other than what, than to explain how yeah. I came well, to, to my to that thing. abortion and everything else, I'm not going to be judged for what yeah, you Bring do. your mic over, man. I don't, I don't We're rolling. Oh. oh. So I just, but I just wanted to say that out loud before we get to that point because I know that sometimes those those particular discussions. Note from the underground, we thornier topics. Thornier topics. We take a microscope to some of Christianity's thornier topics and people. And At this a certain is point, certainly a thorny one. You just not have a thorny to one. love the people <laughs> that you're with, no matter where they are or what they believe or what they're doing. Yeah. You need to love them, yeah. and and then you need to remember you're not the one that's here to judge them. My you question know. to you is: Do you love Andy? You talked about loving her, but what about him? You don't even have to say it. I can see it. I can feel it radiating from you. All right.